0: Will will you open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians? I have a great word for you there. It's one of Paul's prayers, and I've been reading through his prayers to the churches that he started all through the New Testament, especially in the book of Ephesians. And this is a powerful prayer in the third chapter. And I want you to know, as I've prayed this for you, I think I have a glimpse of how much God loves you, how important you are to him how much he wants to use you in a great way, and what he wants to do through us together. I see our church in this prayer that I've been praying for you. So let's read this together. In the 14th verse, it says, For this reason, I mean, because of the incredible things that you are doing and who you are, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, I pray that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, look at this, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's what he's praying for. That Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the other believers and all the other Christians in the church what is the width and the length and the depth and the height And then he stops and says, you can't even understand it, how big it is, to to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then he breaks into this exclamation praise. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we might ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. Now that's a powerful prayer, and I always get stuck on the 19th verse. Did you catch that? Did you see it where he says, I want you to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. (laughs) He's saying, I want you to know something that's unknowable. I want you to know something that you can't pick up from any book. You can't have somebody tell you about it. You can't read about it. You can know definitions, but until you experience it, there are some things in life that you will never know until you experience it. And every person in this room, I don't care who you are, how old you are, how young you are, how wealthy you are, how pretty you are, how gifted and smooth and put together you are, every person in this room is going to go through the test of love at some point or another. And I want you to pass this test. And that's what Paul was praying for, that you would pass the test of love. So let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take these few moments and help us to hear your voice. Would you stay with us a while? Would you just come and warm our hearts and and help us to understand, open up our spiritual eyes, help us to see by faith And what Paul prayed? Come dwell in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us on the inside. May we be filled with the power that comes from knowing Christ. Do more than we could even ask or think in these few moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you captivated by Paul's heart for the people of this church? I love the book of Ephesians. It's written by a man who fell madly in love with the people of a city, this city called Ephesus, a church that began in a house and he devoted three years of his life I mean, think of all the things that Paul did and all the places he went, and he devoted three years of his life to these people. He said, praying for them night and day. And these were people who were ready to receive. These are people who had an open heart, and they were motivated. They, they didn't have the spirit of, well, you know, whatever will be, will be, and we're just sort of along for the ride. These were motivated, active people ready to walk into everything God had destined for them. They caught a vision through Paul, of what they could be. And something happened at Ephesus that was so powerful. Here here was a church that Jew and Gentile came together in the same church to worship God. Nobody had ever seen that before. Here was a church where people who were rich and poor, actually slaves and free, were worshiping together as equals. Nobody had seen that before. There was such a spirit of love that transcended culture and ethnicity and social status, and it blew up from just a handful of people in three years, multiplying thousands and thousands of people to the degree where it actually changed the whole city it spread out and transformed the region and the whole world would soon hear about Ephesus. Because at Ephesus, you had an unbelieving culture that started to copy and imitate the behavior of the Christians. This is the place where the guy said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and he tried to cast out a demon. An unbeliever just just imitating what the believers uh, were doing. This is a place where there was so much turning to God and turning away from idols That the whole industry of idol making and silversmiths, they all got up in arms as their trade came into jeopardy. You know you're doing something good when evil is shutting down in a city because of the people of God. And that's what started to happen. The whole city was affected. These were people much like those that Joshua led in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. You had people who were ready to walk into everything that God had promised them. God said, go in, possess the land, and those people said, yes, we will. We will take everything that you give to us. We'll even walk around walls that won't come down. Well, the people of Ephesus, they had, those believers, they had that same spirit. God, you have predestined us for some great things, and we're ready to walk into everything that you have for us. It's to those people that Paul writes this prayer. He's in Rome now, he's in prison, but he writes back to his church and the people that he loves, and he says, I've been praying for you night and day. And he records this prayer. And you think about praying for all of those years, every single night and day, and we only have two of his prayers to this church recorded, the one in chapter one, which we read last week, and this prayer. Must be some pretty important prayers. Not just because of what they accomplished, but what they teach us. What is Paul so concerned about that he prays for his people night and day? And it's right here. In fact, in the book of Acts, when, when Paul talks to the leaders of this church, Acts chapter 20, he says, the word, all the stuff I taught you was in preparation for something. Notice what he says in this prayer right here. He says, I pray that that Christ will strengthen you in the inner man. I I go to God, the Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with all of his resources, I pray that he'll do this one thing. And he says, I pray that you will be strengthened with might or with power in the inner man. I pray that you will be strengthened on the inside. Why does he pray this? because he knows what's coming. He knows that everything he's taught these people is gonna get tested. He says in Acts chapter 20, he says, watch out, leaders, because after I leave and go away, savage wolves are gonna come, rise up from the outside and attack the church. He says there's gonna be people that come from the inside and men from among yourselves are going to rise up and speaking perverse things, try to even draw the disciples away after themselves. So therefore, watch and remember. For three years, I didn't cease to warn you night and day. Can't you just feel His heart for these people? That there are there's adversity, there's test, there's challenge coming. And so he says to them in verse 32, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It's the word that's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In other words, I've been teaching you for three years and I've been preparing you and I'm watching your lives change because the word is coming to prepare you for the test that you're about to have, that's about to happen in your life. Now, if this was true for Paul, it's true for me. If this was true for the Ephesian church, it's true for the church in Indianapolis. If it was true for those believers, it's true for us. That we're gonna have some tests coming our way. And so the word comes to prepare us. The word comes to get us ready. That's why you're here in church today. And that's why you're paying attention. And that's why you're going, God, speak to me and help me because there are tests that are coming onto our life. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you glad for any advanced information you can get that can help you get through a test? I'm glad, I'm glad that when something comes and I get some word that helps me just, oh, and I don't wake up Monday blindsided like I had no clue that a test was coming. I wanna know that I have something that's prepared me. And so that's what Paul's praying about. He's saying, I pray that you are gonna be strengthened, hardened, like with power on the inside because of the tests that are gonna come. And he says, be strengthened in the inner man. This is a challenge for us who live in a culture where everything's about the outside. Everything's about getting the outside fixed up, prettied up, strengthened up. I mean, it's all about running and exercise and fitness and Zumba and, you know, uh, yoga and contort yourself and uh, CrossFit, P90X or whatever it is, and all of that stuff, facelifts, Botox, sculpt it, suck it, stretch it, whatever needs to be tummy tuck, all, anything that you can think of to fix up the outside. Then all the toys and all the things that you need to surround yourself with to make life comfortable on the outside. I'm telling you, every message you're hearing tells you you need to build up and perfect the outside and comfort yourself on the outside. But how many of you know that when the tests of life come, there are some, when, when life brings you to your knees, mascara and muscles don't help. It has nothing to do with the outside. It's the storms of life hit you in, on the inside. That's what keeps you lying awake at night, frustrated, torn up on the inside, worried, fearful, anxious. When, when the storms of life and pain hit you, it doesn't hit you on the outside. It comes and hits you inside. And Paul's saying, there are tests that are coming into your life, and I want you to be prepared for them, and I want you to be strengthened, and I want you to be ready so that you'll, you'll overcome because they're coming, and we wouldn't choose those tests. And yet every one of us can think of a moment where something hit us on the inside and it knocked us to our knees and you've got an entire world that's pulling you down all the time, trying to pull you to the lowest version of yourself. You've got that message coming, hitting you on the inside. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not tall enough, pretty enough, uh, handsome enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the skills, too old. Everything that the messages come from the outside, Paul's saying, I want you to be strengthened on the inside because there's this subtle attack that's coming at you all the time. And on top of that, what's really subtle, you focusing on that, listening to that message, rehearsing that message, I'm not enough, you don't belong, you're not good enough. It's a subtle form of self-focus and self-centeredness that's destroying your soul. So he's saying, you're going to have to be powerful in the inner man. He writes, I pray this over and over, night and day, that he'll strengthen you on the inside. and That's why you're here today. That's why you got up. That's why you came, because you know that to make it through life, I need to be strengthened on the inside. That's why you're part of a small group. That's why you share your lives with other Christians, and you serve one another in love, and you minister to each other, and you just show up, because there are days when I have no faith, but if I see the fingerprint of God in your life, it's going to inspire me that I don't have to give up. I can keep on going on. That, that Christ is comes into those moments and he starts to dwell in my life. He's not just on the page. He's not just in a book. He's not just in my Bible or in church on Sunday. But I'm being strengthened on the inside and Christ is starting to live inside of me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I need him on the inside. He's saying, I'm praying for you. Because people are the, the savage wolves of life are trying to pull you down and there's people even on the inside that would try to pull you down. But I want you to have be strong on the inside, have Christ come and dwell in your hearts and lives. And, I, and, and he's ultimately praying for this. Here's what I really want. I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. Amen. Notice he says that. Rooted and grounded. Not rooted or grounded. It's not the same thing. Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted. An, uh, an agricultural term, that, 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 it, that it's a growing term, something that grows on the inside of me. I pray that everything that grows up inside of you and starts to produce fruit in your life, it's got to have love at the roots. I pray that you'll be rooted in love. I pray that you'll be grounded in love. Grounding is an architectural term. It has to do with foundations. It has to do with, with something that you dig into the ground and build up because whatever's going to be laid on top of that foundation, whatever's going to be built, has to have a great foundation. The deeper and the stronger the foundation, the higher the building can go. And however strong the foundation is, as the foundation goes, so goes the rest of the building. And yet you never see it. And he's saying, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Whatever comes out of your life, whatever gets laid on your life, whatever is built on your life, let it come from a place of love. Anything that does not come from that root like if you're not rooted in love, if you're not grounded in love, what'll come out of your life will be lust. I don't mean lust like sex only. I mean like I'm thinking of a much bigger connotation. I'm talking about selfishness where you take care of you and you don't think about other people. I'm th- That place where when, you hit, when the pressures and the tests of life come and you feel that squeeze and immediately do you think self-protective thoughts or self-providing self-prov- thoughts for yourself to meet your need, or does your mind go still to the love of others? You see, nobody wants to be tested. Nobody wants them to come into the, nobody, I wouldn't want a test. I hate them when they come, but I don't get to choose. I don't get to choose the tests, but they come, they barge into our lives unannounced. And nobody would choose cancer, and nobody would choose getting laid off a job, or having a marriage fall apart, or having a child that was disabled. We wouldn't choose those things, but the tests come. They're allowed into our life to try us and to see what we're rooted and grounded in. Oh God, I'm losing them this morning. I can just feel it. (laughs) I hope you're sticking with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm talking about... When you get in the pressure moment of life and at that moment, are you going to have a selfish, self-centered root? You see, if selfishness is in the root of your life, selfishness will be the fruit. If the foundation is fear, then everything you build into your life will come from a reactionary place to fear. How many people do you know that everything they built in their life was reactionary because of fear? If everything, if the root is about image, Stick with me now, if the root is about image, then you will care so much about what everybody else thinks. And really, self-centeredness will be the fruit of your life. But when you're rooted and grounded in in love, what you choose when you get under pressure, when the priorities are right, when love is at the root and love's in the foundation, love gives itself away. When selfishness, when the root is anything else, the normal nature, lust takes over. Love gives and lust takes so Paul is praying. He's saying you're about to face things in life and you don't realize it but God is using the pressures and the tests of life to shape your soul. He's, he, you have a predestined end but he's saying I'm not praying about your end. I'm praying about the beginning. I'm praying about what's, what the root is in your life. What is the foundation of your life? So where in your life are you being tested right now? What are the choices that you are, that you are being asked to make? The Holy Spirit is leading you to trust him but the root in your heart is saying no. The root of your, of your heart is afraid and scared. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. And all of his life he is told, who's your dad, who's your father? We don't even know, there's a scandal over his head. And here was this moment when he was baptized and God announces to everyone, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I care about my son. And I want everybody to know I care for him. And I want everybody to know that he is mine. And the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him like a dove. It was the most significant moment of affirmation in Jesus' whole life. And I can't imagine how that must have blessed and touched him. And you would have thought from that moment on, things just took off in a meteoric rise. And, but it says, it, it says that immediately the Holy Spirit then led him into the wilderness to be tested. You are going to face the test of love just as Jesus did, because all the temptations that came his way, every one of them had to do with love. Think about how they all started. If you're the son of God, like if, if you think God cares about you, you just heard that. If you're the son of God, then you know, take these stones and turn them to bread. You think God's gonna provide for you? You think God cares about you? The test of love. You see, desperate people, people who who don't, aren't rooted and grounded in love will choose a substitute every single time. They'll look at something that's a stone and call it bread. They'll put a stone in their mouth and say, this is bread. Are you following me? Do you understand what I'm saying? They will choose a substitute. You'll find a way to find love in, through your own provision. And yet Jesus says, I may be hungry, but I'm not desperate. I know who my father is. Right. And he passed the love test. He gets tested a second time. He gets tested a second time. Uh, you know, throw yourself off this high mountain. God doesn't care about you. Test, just see if God will pick you up like he says he would. And Jesus goes, going, I don't have to test God. I know he's protecting me. I know he's got my back. I don't have to power up. I don't. What will you do when you think you need to save yourself? The test of love. Amen. Then there's the test of power. Just kneel to me. And I'll give you everything. That test of you can take control of this right now. You can power up and make it yours and make it happen. What will you do when an insecure moment comes or an opportunistic moment comes? Do you believe that God is in control and he's in charge? He has all power. I'm walking in his predetermined plan. Or do I feel I need to grab power right now? All of those things have to do with the root. Does God really care about me? Does God love me? And every one of you are going to face this test. That's why Paul was praying. He says, I pray that you will be strengthened with power and might in the inner man. I pray that Christ will come and dwell in your hearts. You will know how much he loves you. I pray that you will be rooted and grounded in love. And the love is so amazing that even if you try, even if I had the words, I'm, I'm thinking of the height, the depth, the, I'm trying to describe it to you, but I don't have the words, that you will somehow know the unknowable Love, I just want you to experience it. That's what he's saying. God is using everything that's coming your way, even the adversities you're facing right now, to give you an experience where he can show you his love. He's wanting to give you that experience. Are you passing the test? I don't want the adversities to be for nothing. I don't want pain to be for nothing in my life. I wanna realize if God's getting me on my, on, onto his agenda, let me cooperate with his Holy Spirit. Let me not resist it, let me not fight it. God's using everything to get your attention. That in the process of time, as you allow him to affect the root of your life, the foundation of your life, love organically just starts to grow up out of you. Now, I can't explain it to you, I'm trying my best. But I want you to hear the story of a person who started taking the steps of faith. In fact, I've told you many times that you start following Jesus and letting him have have access to your heart and obeying him, you won't even recognize yourself a few years from now. I want you to meet my friend, Devin Riley. Give him a great hand this morning.
1: Yeah, 11 o'clock, maybe it's the big show. All right. Woo. Hey, everybody. My name is Devin Riley, and uh, I'm really grateful to share the stage today with Darren, grateful for the opportunity to uh, share my story with you today. You know, I grew up in the church, and I was baptized as a believer when I was 13 years old, but my faith never really matured, so I guess I should tell you that I grew up stubborn, fearful, and really wanted control because it was all about me. From the outside, everything looked really perfect, especially in 2005 when my wife and I had a growing healthy family. I'd taken a job as a strength and conditioning specialist at the best personal training company in the state. I loved my job, I still do. My client list reads like a who's who of Indianapolis and my schedule was filling up fast. And I was on the rise. We'd just moved into a great house in a fantastic Fisher's neighborhood. Yep, I had arrived. And so had the anxieties, because I was surrounded by all of this stuff. I had all of these adult things and no way to navigate through them. I had no anchor. I was adrift in adulthood. My spiritual awakening really began eight years, four months, and 14 days ago, give or take. Because the house that I moved into turned out to be one house away from Pastor Darren. So he invited me to church, me and my family, and I'd like to tell you that I took him up on that offer. But I didn't. My schedule was so busy that the thought of adding one more thing to the schedule was just too intimidating. Darren, he he never stopped judging me. You know, he didn't judge me. He never stopped loving me. He was my friend. He kept being my friend. And I kept making excuses. I kept making excuses that was drowning out what God was trying to tell me. In 2010, we moved to a new house in Noblesville, and it soon became months since we had gone to church. My wife Valerie and I, we drifted apart. The more I tried to communicate with her and fix it, the more I tried to control it, the more we drifted away from each other hated it and that is when God decided to show up in a big way there was a Saturday I remember it well because my little girl who was six at the time came up to me and said daddy it's Saturday tomorrow's Sunday can we please go to church she remembered what a great time she'd had here at Heartland God had my attention I'd been asleep and suddenly I snapped awake God used the voice of my little girl to pierce my heart in a way that I couldn't ignore anymore. I was awake to two things. One, how much I love my wife and children. and Two, how much more must my Father in Heaven love me? So that Sunday, we went back to church. And we started coming. And we've been here ever since. And I'd like to tell you that... uh, Immediately after we started coming, you know, we started serving, got into a small group, started tithing. That's not true either. My wife and I would sit in the back row and we could that way we could go get our kids afterwards and jet out of here as fast as possible and get home, you know what I
0: mean?
1: Well, it was still very much all about me. I was still very selfish. Well, then one day I go to pick up my middle daughter, Tegan, from her kindergarten class, and Angie Miles is standing there at the door, and she says, you know, it's a real joy to have your daughter in class. She is really great, and she loves to talk about her daddy. And I said, wow, thanks. And I was ready to go, and that's when she hit me with it. She says, you know, you guys come all the time. You ever thought about serving and joining our team? Oh. You know, I don't mean to brag, I can run a mile in under six minutes, but you've never seen anyone run down a hall as fast as I did that day. Man, I was out of there. I knew they were gonna ask something of me sometime. How am I gonna get out of this one? I told her I'd think about it. And then for the next couple of weeks, I was peeking around the corner, <laughs> making sure that Angie Miles wasn't there at the door and I was especially on the lookout for Angie Dewey because you can't say no to her. And once you know it, a couple weeks later, Darren shares a message about God's purpose for your life, about how you should use your gifts to bless others, about getting active, getting off the bench, and getting into the game. God wanted me to hear those words. He wanted me to hear those words because everything about me is active. I'm a trainer. I'm a marathoner. I'm a cyclist, and yet I was afraid take the one step that would change me and my family's life forever I was afraid to give my time you know things were already strained and the thought of telling my wife that I wanted to do one more thing that would take me away from family time was terrifying but on the way home that day I sucked it up and I told my wife that I was thinking about serving and she said me too we talked all the way home about where we would like to serve together. Today we serve in the Crossroads Children's Ministry. If you dropped your kids off today, it was my wife that said hi to you. She greets people at the desk there, and I'm on, ta- I'm on stage telling the stories because basically I'm just a kid in a grown-up's body anyway. Darren asked me if I was nervous about sharing my story with you today, and I said, no way. Because I knew all of you guys would be way more attentive and a whole lot less squirrely than the crew I usually talk to. (laughs) Rather than taking something from me, I've been given so much more than we ever imagined. Serving has brought my family together. My kids. My kids are proud when I'm on stage. Talking about the Bible story. God has blessed my marriage. My wife and I are closer together than we ever have been. We sit on the front row and we worship together every Sunday. And God blessed my life because I stopped running away from him and started running toward him. When we aligned our lives with what God had in store for us, he focused our eyes on what was really important. Is my life still stressful? Absolutely. But my perspective has changed. You know, I was a product of love, lead, launch, long before it ever became a phrase that characterized the future of Heartland Church. You know, next week, my family and I, we're filling out our cards because we want to be part of this amazing vision. We are all in. You know, It took me a long time to get to this moment today. I wish it didn't take eight years and change for me to get to this moment, for me to get out of my own way, but that's why I'm here today, so you can launch in less time. I'm here because I want to encourage you to say yes to whatever it is that God has in store for you. I want you to say yes, whether it's getting baptized today or getting into a 101 class so you can become part of this amazing church family, or maybe it's starting to serve and sharing your gifts with others. Maybe it's tithing or sacrificial giving so you can further the kingdom of God. You can't outgive God and you will not regret it. Give your pain a purpose, let go of your fears, and take one step one step and launch yourself into something that is bigger and better than you ever could have imagined this is what god wants for you not what he wants from you now normally this is where i'd break you up into small groups so you could have a snack <laughs> thank you for letting me tell my story
0: awesome. Now you see why Paul talks about the test, and then he breaks into this praise, and he says, you know, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly. My neighbor, who I knew eight years ago, is standing here today. God is able to do things we can't even imagine. We can't even picture. We, you just saw a miracle of a changed heart right here. God's able to do what we cannot even imagine. Paul breaks out. He says, I pray that you can somehow experience it. I want you to be strengthened on the inside because there's stuff going on that God is using to shape your heart. If you'll cooperate with his Holy Spirit, if you'll move with what he's trying to get you to do, if you'll just take that next step, whatever it is, by faith, Christ will come and dwell in your heart, and he's going to do something in you that you can't even begin to imagine. Because you cannot intellectualize his love. You can't intellectualize love. It does not make sense. It's not fair. It doesn't doesn't go by reason. But God will show up in the middle of the storm, in the test, and he will show you his love and blow your mind. It was when my son Nick was real small. He was a little toddler. And, you know, he was... He was was home alone. I was watching him. My wife was away on a trip, and he had this little seizure, and he stopped breathing, and I didn't know what to do, and I started praying, and I called 911. The ambulance came. You know, he's grown up today. He's fine, but in that moment, that was the longest ambulance ride to the hospital. I can remember being in the middle of that crisis, calling out to God. I didn't even have words. I'm just praying with my spirit. I'm just saying, God, just... You know, I would have done anything, given anything, the love I had for that little human being, I would have given anything, done anything, paid anything, substituted myself, and some of you parents know what I'm talking about, I would have done anything for that child. On the other side of that experience, thinking and talking to God about it, I'm thinking, God, you love me like that? That's how you love me? That kind of crazy, you're willing to do anything, give anything, do anything, sacrifice anything for me? See, that's what it meant when he said, God so loved the whole world that he gave. When you're rooted and grounded with love, you're willing to give and he's trying to give us a heart like his. And I could not have known that. I couldn't have intellectualized it. I could have had the definitions. I knew about God's love, but I didn't know he loved me like that till I went through that test. So God is going to work everything out for your good. The Bible says there is a reward on the other side of the test, and he wants you to pass the test. The fact that you're in a test means he wants you to pass it, that when you go through it, that you come through it. And I, I want you to realize you're not, it's not like you're not a child of God when you're going through a test. You are. You're real. It's a real test. Jesus was tested, so we're going to be tested. That's actually a confirmation that you're a child of God, that you're going through that, that he's working something in you, and when you come through on the other side, you're going to have faith that's tried like gold, and he's going to do something exceedingly, abundantly. That means I run out of words. I don't have the words. I can't even describe it. It's beyond my vocabulary, beyond, beyond what I could even ask or think. So this is my prayer for you today. Let me pray it for you one more time. I want you to catch a glimpse of how God loves you. I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit In your inner man, I pray that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, that you will be rooted and grounded in love, that you will be able to somehow, I can't describe it, but comprehend with all the other Christians what is the width and depth and height and length to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you will be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And see, you're going to get tested in that this week. You're going to be tested right here that God can do something bigger than you can ask. We're about to sacrifice ourselves and say, God, there's a, there is a world and there is a mission and there's a, there's, there are people to love beyond ourselves. You're in that test right now. And you're going to have the opportunity right now to put this to the test this week and say, God, I believe that through me you're able to do something beyond what I can even ask or imagine. You step out in faith and trust and let Christ dwell in your hearts and he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You received this this morning? All right. Will you stand with me? I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer of commitment. God wants to use you. He's talking to you today. I don't know what your storm is. I don't know what choices you're facing. I don't know what that next step is for you, but in this moment of commitment, will you pray to him? Will you talk to him? Will you say, yes, God, that's me? Maybe some of you, you need to give your life to Christ today. Your next step is to get into the water and say, the old me's dead. I'm gonna follow him. Close a chapter on the past. Start fresh today. Whatever your next step is, say yes to him now. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come and Touch every heart, minister to every person here as we sing to you, do a work in people's lives today. Draw people. I pray that even now, we won't even have to be told. We know what it is you're asking us to do and we would say yes to you. So touch the one that wants to be forgiven this morning. They need to have a clean start. They need to turn their back on the past and start to follow you. Pray for the one who's afraid who's fearful. Somebody's walked out. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the calmness and the peace to stand there and trust you and watch you work. They don't need to save themselves. You'll save them. Give them peace today. I pray that they won't have to take control. I pray that they'll realize that they're in the center of your hand when they submit to you and humble themselves before you, that you will work all things together for their good. We give ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name.